And uh, my hope this morning, as we're, we're going through these famous words from the Bible, um, kind of a topical series, if you like, this side of Christmas, um, so we can be all over the place. Um, and uh, why my prayer when I was kind of preparing this morning um, was that this message would help every single one of us. Um, and the kind of takeaway line is this, with God with us, it's going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be better than okay. It, it, it can be awesome. It, it is awesome. But it's going to work out. Okay, with, with God in the picture, it's going to work out. Um, and being brought up in a Christian home, as I've kind of said before, I've always had an awareness and knowledge of God. I think that's one of the beauties of growing up in the church is God isn't some weird thing you've never heard of. It, it's something you hear about all the time. But there's a difference, isn't there, between knowing about God and knowing God. And so at 16, I went from knowing about God to knowing him. And, that, and that's when it changed for me. It became something that was real. It was something that was tangible. It was something that was now in my heart as opposed to just up here in my head. And uh, it was at that point, and it's not a coincidence, it was at that point I knew it would be all right. Even at school being a Christian, I knew it would be all right. Because there's a difference between knowing about God. You see, knowing about God's really useful. But in the day-to-day -day ups and downs of life, actually, it might not help you all that much. Oh, yeah, there's a God out there somewhere. I've heard about him. Great. But knowing God is with you in the trenches of life. Knowing God is right there with you on Monday morning. That's really, really important for us, isn't it? And we know that then God has it. God has our future. God has our present and um, if you don't have God in your life, if you're here this morning, you don't have him in your life, and I know I feel like this might be like, oh, you're a broken record. The best decision you could ever make is choosing to follow Jesus. Honestly, the best decision I've ever made was when I chose to follow after him and put my trust in him. And I'll come back to that a little bit later. But famous words from the Bible. And I'm actually cheating this morning because I've chosen two. Um, and I'm going to kind of beautifully link them in theory. And actually, I think two of these verses will probably be some of your favorite verses in the Bible too. Um, I'm sure they'll be known to some of you. And um, the context, or one of the reasons why I love this verse, the first one, is it's really special to me. Now, when I was a single Pringle um, back at university, doing what single people do, um, I, desperately, and emphasis on the word desperately there, trying to meet someone, um, and, and failing pretty badly, um, I would do Everything and anything I could to be like, you know, as a part of the Christian union to meet a nice young Christian lady. Um, join the sports teams, look athletic. You know, I even got a guitar out once or twice. Can't really play it that well, but I still had it out. Um, I even wore my glasses sometimes so that I would look more intellectual. Yeah, I, I don't know why I don't wear them now. <laughs> I probably ought to. Um, and I even, um, not on grace, because um, these didn't work, I tried Christian chat-up lines. I know. There's, there was a reason I was single. Things like, is this pew taken? And my personal favorite, this is my personal uh, favorite. Well, it was actually two. Is um, I know why Solomon had 700 wives, because he obviously never met you. I don't think that's ever worked, ever. Um, and then, my spiritual gift is my good looks. It lifts people's spirits. Yeah, it would have been miraculous, wouldn't it, if any of them had worked. So there was a reason I was single um, for, a, for a while. Probably much to do with the fact that I would use Christian chat-up lines. But, despite all that, 
when came my final year of university and Grace's first year of university, here came Grace, this girl that I'd never seen before. Wow, this is exciting. And as uh, cheesy as this sounds, we, you know, we chatted about football, um, obviously. Uh, we chatted about computer games, obviously. Um, I'm sure we chatted about lots of other things, but I can remember we talked about one of our very first conversations was about God. And uh, one of our first kind of questions, I'm sure it was when we were bowling in like Christian Union Freshers Week. I didn't hang about. I was like, bam. <laughs> was, what's your favorite verse from the Bible? Or like, have you got, I mean, I know that sounds really cheesy, but like I was the president of like the CU at that point. So I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm using everything at my disposal here. And uh, we were chatting about our favorite Bible verses. And either, because I can't remember entirely, Either Grace shared her favorite Bible verse, and it just happened to be my favorite too, or, this is possible, Grace shared her favorite Bible verse, and I changed mine. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know which, but one of those is true, but... Anyway, we both love this one verse and all gained momentum and we've been happily married for nine years this year. And actually the verses or part of the verse we're going to read out was read out at our wedding as well. So it's a special verse and it's Psalm 37.4. And it's a lot of people's favorite verse, if you like, and it's this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's a great verse. In isolation, you go, wow delight myself in God and he will give me stuff. That seems to be like the most basic way of reading it and a lot of people do read it in that way but the first thing I want to say is we don't believe in karma. All right, If you believe in karma, stop believing in karma. Not something we do. We don't believe, do we, that if we do good somehow, like this verse is not saying if I focus on the good and I conjure up good things in my head, then good will come back to me. That's not what this verse is saying at all, because what happens when life throws you a curveball? What happens when life's tough? Oh, does that mean I've got a whole bunch of stuff wrong? Does that mean I've, I've done something to offend God in some way? You see how like a reading of that can be real, you can read it like that when life's good and that's fine. But if life's difficult, that becomes a really uncomfortable, nasty verse. I'll delight myself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of my heart. Well, I don't have any of the desires of my heart. So does that mean I'm never delighting in God and do I even know God anymore? And It's really easy to put yourself there. So we don't go for that kind of, there is a cause effect thing here, but it's not that. David the psalmist, if you read the whole psalm, is asking an age-old question that we could all ask today is, why do all the good guys finish last? Why does it seem that the people that are uh, dishonest, the people that are, uh, are taking advantage of people, the people who are, are doing really mean things and oppressing people seem to be flourishing? How is it that he's got a nice brand new car and I'm on my push bike? What, what's going on? That doesn't seem fair. And David's doing that. He's going... Why are, the, why are the evil guys prospering? And here I am, running for my life, hiding for my life. I'm, I can be so much more, and yet there's all these enemies I've got, and they seem to be flourishing, and yet where is God in all of this? And the call of these verses, and the call for us is, don't be envious of evildoers, but play the long game. That's what Psalm 37 is about. 
eternity awaits. There's so much more to come. And it's important that, as Christians, we have an eternal lens on things. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? You know, if you get cut up in traffic, it doesn't really matter if you've got an eternal lens on it, does it? And actually, a lot of the time, you know, you know those people that like overtake you on like a, you know, when they shouldn't overtake you, and then they get stuck at the next set of lights with you? You know that moment? You know, an eternal lens is like, well, that's going to happen anyway. It doesn't matter if I've been cut up or I'm going to be at my destination 10 seconds later than I thought I would be. Or any other, you know, um, someone got promoted at work and it should have been my promotion. An eternal lens or eternal view would be, let's cheer them on. Let's encourage them. Let's get behind and let's be supportive. And Psalm 37.4, I think we get a window of wisdom from David in how to be and how to navigate this life when actually it's pretty hard out there, isn't it? It's pretty tough. The world is a broken place. And he says, delight yourself in the Lord. And delight is not a word. I mean, I don't. I might, I might be the only person. But I don't use the word delight in my everyday language. Do you? Not like, oh, there's a delightful bus ride this morning. It was delightful to do those spreadsheets at work. What a delightful... If you do, I'm really sorry, but I don't speak like that. Delight is... The only, the only time I think of delight is like heavenly with Turkish delight. And that doesn't feature every day. And if it did, it, that wouldn't be a good lifestyle choice. But Turkish delight, it, the clue's in the name. It's beautiful, isn't it? Right? Have you ever tried Greek delight, by the way? Awful. But Turkish delight... Amazing, isn't it? They're close together, but how could you get it so right and so wrong? But delighting is not something we use every day, but it means to take great pleasure in. So David's saying, take great pleasure in God. Delight in him. And realistically, what we delight in probably for most of us is we might delight in our, in our sports team, if we follow a sports team. We might take delight in our favorite band and they've released a new album or our favorite artist and a, a piece of art, long lost piece of art has been discovered or, or we take delight in, 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 oh, the next book's coming out. I can't wait for the next kind of bit of literature. And, and we delight in it. We take great pleasure in those things. But here David's saying, no, those things aren't necessarily bad things, but take great pleasure in God instead. Because that's where we'll find true joy and contentment. Now, I don't know about you, but I want true joy and contentment. Right? I, I want to know fulfillment. I want that in my heart, and I know that because I know God. David answers how to take, take delight in God for us as well, which I love just quickly. This, these aren't like a how to delight handbook, just a few observations um, from the text. So if you've got a Bible, Psalm 37, verse 3 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And later in verse 5, you've got a repeat of trusting. This theme of trust comes up quite a lot in the Bible, doesn't it? In terms of trust God. Trust the Lord your God. Here, trust in the Lord and do good. We need to, if you want to delight in something, if you want to take pleasure in something, if something is bringing you joy and you want to bring joy to something else, you have to trust that God has your good, don't you? You have to trust that Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, is true. We have to believe that if we're delighting in God. We have to trust him. I don't think it's massively possible to delight in something without trust. I think about my kind of my uh, relationship with my wife, Grace. If all the time I'm second guessing whether she loves me, if I'm second guessing what she's thinking and what she's doing and 
oh, I don't trust her or she doesn't trust me. Does she love me? Does she just want to smack me over the head because I've said something stupid again? Probably. But like all these things are going through my head all the time. I'm not going to be delighting in my relationship, am I? It's going to be stealing that actually from me. There isn't going to be great pleasure. There's just going to be insecurity. There's just going to be doubt. There's just going to be pain. There's just going to be hurt. And David says here, delight yourself in the Lord. We've got to trust who God is and what he says is true. If we don't have that as our start point, we're going to really struggle to delight in him. We're really going to struggle to be filled with joy. I want to be filled with joy. I want to be a big smile on my face because I know Jesus every single day. To do that, I've got to delight in God. I've got to know my father's got it. He's not angry with me, but he's a father in heaven who loves me. And this follows on straight here, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. Commitment follows trust, doesn't it? It just follows trust. They're like linked together. You trust and there's commitment. When you trust someone, you go all in. When you trust someone, you give everything to heaven. You don't compartmentalize your heart. You say, I'm going to go all in and follow after you, God, with all that I am, with all my emotion. And I love Psalm 139 because so I've said this so many times, but it, it really is a pick-me-up for, for trusting God and knowing he's got it. When it says something to the effect of, even the darkness is not dark to you. And it just makes me think, okay, I can see here from this side and it's dark, but spin that around, God sees a different picture. I just see part of the story. God sees the whole story. So I'll continue to commit my way to him. And commitment is a sign that we're delighting in him. You know, this church on uh, Friday was four years old. I think that's remarkable. Honestly, I think that's a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And how did that start? Well, actually, by having a go. Okay, we're going to go for this. And you've got to go all in when you start a, for something from scratch, can't you? You can't go, oh, well, I'll give it my best shot. And then two weeks later, be like, oh, it's not worked. You've got to go for it. You've got to demonstrate commitment. And I'm so glad we did because faith shifts atmospheres and it shifts our attitude naturally when we commit to something when we're in commitment to God it can take our dreariness if you like our, our lowness how we're feeling about the world and everything and how the world saps at us and takes that attitude of how oh, look at them doing really well and takes us to a place of that doesn't matter actually I'm going to delight in God and it's only through faith trust commitment that we get there and I don't know about you, right? But I want Redeemer King to be known as a church that delights in God. Right? Wouldn't that be a great thing to be known for? Yes, a scandalous reputation. But we delight in God. We bring glory to God. We love God relentlessly. There'll be nothing that stops us from worshipping him. Nothing that stops us from bringing him glory. And we'll be carriers of hope. And we will take that hope that we have because we're committed to the cause. Because we're committed to God. Which means we take it with us on a Monday morning. It doesn't depart us. It doesn't leave us. And thirdly, and this is something interesting, you know, commitment and trust, you go, hey, I get that. They're really obvious ways to delight in something. Patience is what David says. Oh, and everybody's favorite word, patience. Verse six and seven, he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. This is what I mean when I talk about the long game. Sometimes there's going to be injustice towards us this side of heaven and it might not be set right until we're with him. It might not be. 
But that's okay if we're playing the long game, isn't it? It's okay if we get caught up in traffic, if we're going to be following after Jesus. That doesn't matter so much. There will be some injustice that's against us. And justice might only come at the end of all things. And then he says this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself. Wow. Aren't they words we need to hear? The words I need to hear. Fret not yourself. Man, I seem to spend, I can spend my whole day fretting about stuff. Fret not yourself. Why? Because we're to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. In other words, God's got it. Just because you don't see it just yet, doesn't mean it ain't happening. Just because we can't perceive it right now, doesn't mean he's not onto it. Wait patiently before him. There's so many pressures, aren't there, in the world today. It's, you know, growing pressures, I think. I think I was glad I, even though it was maybe when uh, Shout to the Lord was written or not written. Um, but I feel like it's harder now, you know, for kids in the world and growing up. And just whether that's in school or outside of school, just the pressures and social media and life is just pressured and nonstop, isn't it? All the time, it's relentless. And it's almost as if David says here, to delight in God means you've got to take your foot off the gas. You've got to sometimes take refuge in God. Where do we go to find refuge? You know, I remember talking to Grace a little bit, and um, obviously Judah was out here leading worship this morning. <laughs> and um, she says, oh, you know, when sometimes go into the bathroom and shut in the door so your kids can't get in. That was refuge. <laughs> mommy, 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 mommy. She's not here. <laughs> She's gone out. Was a place of refuge. And I know that'll be familiar to many people. Or at work, oh, does that apply? I just need to go to this dark cupboard and shut the door behind me for two minutes and then I'll come out. But what David's saying here is no, come to God. As your ultimate place of refuge, you need to go to Him. You want to delight in Him, you want to keep delighting in Him, go to Him as your refuge. And delight in God means patience. And that's a hard message sometimes. It means patience. It means we'll continue on even when it's tough. We'll keep trusting. We'll keep committed even when it's tough. And so my question to you is, when was the last time you just gave it to heaven? When was the last time all these pressures and all this stuff and you said, you know what, God, I'm going to give it to you. I want you as my refuge. Because sometimes it's the last thing we do. We try all kinds of other measures and, and ways well, here is, when was the last time we hit pause and said, God, I'm going to wait on you? When was the last time we just hit pause on our life, maybe went into our room, shut the door, and asked God to just come and meet with us? Didn't fill it with words. Didn't fill it with stuff, just waited on him. David says here, it's a path to delighting in God is to do that. A path to not fretting is to be still before God. And of course, there's the cause-effect thing going on here. Um, which is why a lot of people like it probably. Delight yourself in the Lord. Great. We kind of got an idea of what that looks like now, hopefully. And this is the bit lots of people like. And he will give you your heart's desires. Come on. No? Can I not get an amen for that? No. <laughs> like, I, seriously, I'm committed. I trust God. I'm delighted in him. I'll get my Ferrari F40. Right? I mean, I've got a Lego version. I haven't built it. <laughs> it's in its box still, but I've got one. 
And that matters. It's not that, is it? Some people read that as prosperity. If I delight in God, the dosh will follow. Oh, if I delight in God, everything in my life will be perfect instantly. I'm going to be rich beyond measure. Or even with healing, if I delight in God, then he was guaranteed to heal me. He's not a divine slot machine, is he, God? He's someone to know personally. And here it's, it's interesting because the long game stuff is really important. Delight in God and he'll give you your heart's desires. Have you ever thought about this? If you're delighting in God, your heart's desires will probably change. I say probably, they should. If you delight in God, your desires should change. Because crumbs, there's been all sorts of things in my life that if God had allowed me to follow through on, oh my days, it would have been awful. And I'm sure you could probably say the same thing, where the Lord has spared us so many things. Because he doesn't just give us what we want when we want it. He has a plan that we don't always see or understand. And uh, I, I love this about our desires changing. I love a comment uh, Rich Old made last year to me after he came to faith. And he said something like this. I don't know if it was your testimony or what. And he said, Spotify doesn't know what to recommend to me anymore. Because his listening taste had changed from like, um, I believe he's massively into um, country music and classical music from the 16th century. Um, that was his, his music taste week in, week out, and Spotify was confused because all of a sudden he's listening to What a Beautiful Name It Is by Hillsong. It's like, who's this Hillsong, Spotify's thinking. His desires had changed, even in the things he wanted to listen to. Drum and bass out the window. Now, I'll still probably do listen to some drum and bass. But a bit of a mix of drum and bass with Christian stuff. Well, that would be a great mix, wouldn't it? That would be quite cool. Maybe we should start something. Um, but God alters our desires. That's what Billy Graham said. He said, when, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, God changes our desires. In line with who he is and what he has for us. And the delight yourself in the Lord, the New Testament kind of parallel of that is Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Give your everything to love me. And then the follow on is God will work out the detail. And I don't know about you and your experience of faith, but as I look back at my walk with Jesus, I look at moments and I can go, oh, I can see God's hand there now. Maybe at the time I didn't understand. Maybe at the time it was really hard. But I can look back and say, okay, I understand now. I can see somehow through that that God was in it. When we delight in him, he doesn't leave us short. When we started this church, uh, went from full-time employment to no employment apart from gardening. Elijah's on the way. So we've already got Evangeline. Elijah's on the way. And our, the money that we were bringing in, our rent exceeded the money that we were bringing in. But did God leave us short at any point? No, not even close to leaving us short. God had it. You see, when we delight in him, he, covered, he works out the detail. I didn't have like a detailed 50-page plan of how we were going to get by, but God knew. What was required of us in that moment was just to trust. What's required of you in whatever you face is trust him. Delight in him. Don't let your circumstance steal your delight in God. Don't let it steal your joy. 
Because that's what it does. It will steal your joy and it will suck it from you. Don't let it do it. That's why we fix our eyes upon the cross. That's why we fix our eyes upon Jesus. That's why we talk about looking to him all the time. Because it's tough. And I can stand here absolutely certain. And I can tell you that delighting in God, God will sort out the detail. And I know it's true because of an even more famous verse in the New Testament from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Anybody know it? Philippians 4, 13. I thought it was really famous. There you go. Classic fridge, t-shirt, socks, any form of clothing, verse. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. And um, famously, lots of sports stars wear it or put it like Lewis Hamilton. Whenever he wins a race, interestingly, he's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know if he quotes that verse when he comes last. I mean, he doesn't come last, does he? But, you know, if he messes up or crashes. I'm not really into boxing. Um, I didn't really watch it yesterday. It doesn't really interest me. Um, But... Um, I came across when I was kind of doing a bit of research on Philippians 4 that Evander Holyfield, and I can remember the talk of these fights, um, when he fought Mike Tyson. And you know in boxing they have like the, it's a show, isn't it? It's a performance. It's all the drama. It's all the entrance music is important, right? Intimidate the opposition, have a party, make it look amazing. And Evander Holyfield, when he came out for his fight with Iron Mike Tyson, um, had Philippians 4.13 written on his robe. And it was as if to say to Mike Tyson, I've got God on my side. I'm going to smash your face in. With all things, you know, I can do all things. I can beat Mike Tyson through Christ who strengthens me. And sure enough, Evander Holyfield beat Mike Tyson. Yeah, minus it. There was a price to pay. (laughs) But... He then fought Lennox Lewis. And you've got the same drama, the same show, the same performance, the same robe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can smash Lennox Lewis's face in because I've got Christ with me. What happened? Lennox Lewis smashed his face in. So does that mean Philippians 4.13 is no longer true? Because Evander Holyfield lost his boxing match. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me apart from beating Lennox Lewis in a fight. Paul forgot to put that in brackets. If only Evander Holyfield had known, he'd have worn a different verse on his robe. Or, I don't need to do any revision for my tests or my exams because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's got it. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to work hard. I don't need to revise. It can't possibly mean that, can it? Right? I hope we don't think it means that. It can't possibly It's better, actually. It's better than that. The purpose of the verse is not, and this is, again, used to, like, prosper. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make lots of dosh. The purpose of this this verse isn't, oh, I can get rich. The purpose of this verse is to say, if you've got Christ, you already are. It's not about amassing wealth and richness. It's a verse that says, you have everything already. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's got everything, including me. The context is this. Paul writes from prison and he says, I've learned the secret. 
of facing plenty and hunger. I've learned the secret of abundance and need. Hey, guys, I've been really hungry. Guys, I've had loads to eat at different times as well. I've been really thirsty. And at other times, I've had so much stuff. I've had plenty. But in all things, Christ has strengthened me. The church in Philippi were really generous to Paul. They were super generous to him. And he's saying, thank you so much for your love. But you know what? If it didn't come, it wouldn't have mattered because God had me anyway. But God's used you. But if you didn't bless me whilst I was in prison, it's okay because God's got me. It's going to be okay. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's a real key indicator, I think, for me. And you can search your heart on this this morning as to know as to whether you believe that's true or not in your everyday, that I can do all things. Christ has got me. It's going to be okay. There's a, there's a real indicator, I believe, for your own heart as to whether you believe that to be true or not, and it's this. If your pursuit in life of fulfillment and purpose, if these words come out of your life, then we've missed Philippians 4.13. If only I could have this. If only I have this, it will be okay. If only I get promoted, then I'll be happy. If only my hours at work are reduced. If only my retirement thing comes in. If only this happens, that happens. If only I have this for Christmas. I mean, I remember months and months and months, I said this before, I wanted a mini disc player. Mini disc, mini disc, mini disc, mini disc, mini disc. Sony, it was beautiful, it was blue, it was amazing. It lasted for about a week, and I'm sure that year the iPod came out. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Apple, for destroying Minidisc forever. And then I'm like, if only I could have an iPod. If only I could have an iPod Touch. If only I can have an iPhone. If I can only have an iPhone that doesn't get us wet and it's fine. If only I can have this. If only I can have that. If only I have a car with enough seats. If only I have this. If only I have that. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll know fulfillment. Then I'll know purpose. We've missed Philippians 4.13 that says in everything, in anything, it's okay, I've got Christ. I think we have to search our hearts. And, and the chances are we are if only people. We probably do say that. I've said it. If only I could. But if that's our heart, I just, and I say this as your friend, it's only going to lead to disappointment. If you think you're going to find fulfillment with the if only I could, you're just going to be disappointed. The only thing that is going to give you fulfillment and purpose is delighting in the God who made you and he will change your desires and you will have everything because you'll have Christ. Absolutely true, you will have everything. Everything you would need, everything you could want is found in him. Contentment, fulfillment, purpose in this life, peace is not found apart from Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ. The more majestic Christ is to you, the less appealing the world. The more we honor him, the more we delight in him, the less the lure of stuff, the less the lure of the if only I coulds. And of course, Paul in this same passage says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Always. Always be full of joy. Why? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Why? Because if we delight in God, our heart becomes aligned with the things of God. Because if we delight in God, we have everything that we would need. And I want to quote this at length, okay, to finish, because I want to put Christ before you this morning. Um, I don't know if the band could come out. Um, that would be really helpful. But um, 
wherever you are in your walk with God today, let's say you've been following Jesus for a while. I want to put Christ before you front and center right now again. You don't know Jesus as your savior. I want to put Christ in front of you so you make a decision. Am I going to follow him or not? You've got to make a decision. There is no fence. The fence is an illusion. It doesn't exist. We're either for Christ or against Christ. And here is, do you want to delight in God and find purpose, fulfillment, the desires of your heart, and realize the truth of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The linchpin and key bit of that is Christ. And there's this famous prayer by Dr. S.M. Lockridge, African-American guy. I think it was 1976. And uh, it's called That's My King. And I could put it on YouTube, and that might be better, but I just wanted to read it because it's powerful. And I'm going to try and not read it in my dreary way. Um, I'm going to try and read it with feeling. But I want to put Christ before you. And this is his prayer that he prayed in 1976. And then we're going to sing, and I want us to have the opportunity to respond this morning, to say, yes, I want Christ to be my king. I want to delight in him. This is what he prayed. Speaking of Jesus. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son, the sinner's savior, the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's strong God and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? That's my king. My king is a king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators, the overseer of the overcomers, the governor of governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings, the lord of lords. That's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him off your mind. You can't get him off your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him.
Pharisees couldn't stand him. They found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been and he always will be. He had no predecessor and he will have no successor. There was nobody before him. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. That's my king. That's the Christ. That's the God man. That's who we delight in. Do you believe Philippians 4.13 is true? When that's your God, Philippians 4.13 is true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's stand together. As we worship, there may be some of you who go, yeah, I need to delight in God for the very first time. Or actually, I've not been delighting in God and I need to delight in God. Then don't just sit on it. There'll be some people around the side who would love to pray with you and for you. Our response as well is to worship. Our response is to say, that's my king and I'm going to follow him. Talked about trust, talked about commitment, talked about patience as the ways of delighting in God. And often those things are encapsulated as we worship and sing, aren't they?